guys, and welcome to the second season of the Yamcast, where we help young adults navigate this world and assist anyone in starting a young adult ministry. We do this by going through some books of the Bible that we are currently going through with our own young adult group. I am one of your hosts, Erica Haas. And I'm the other host, Chris Stukenberg. We love to guide this age group through life and their faith. And this season, we're actually going to cover the book of Ruth, mm-hmm. and we're super excited about it. So if you'd like to know more, check us out at Instagram at the Yamcast or Facebook at YamcastPod, or you can email us at yamcastpod at gmail.com. If you like what you hear, please share with your friends because we all know that sharing is caring. Subscribe, rate, and review on any of the podcast platforms. This week with our Yam Snack, we really wanted to take some time to tackle the topic of hearing God. I know when I was a young adult, I struggled to know if I was following God's plan, if I was on the right path. I had all these colleges and and job offers. Let's be real, I didn't have that many job offers. But I had colleges that I could choose from, and, and I was like, which one, God, which one, which one? And constantly felt like I wasn't hearing him or didn't know where I was supposed to be going. So we really wanted to take this time because we imagine a lot of you are in the same boat to, to really just dive into this topic. Yeah, it's a huge thing for this time of life, right? I mean, you're asking the big questions for your life and trying to figure out what's going on. So we, we thought we'd just you know push pause on our book study and just kind of deal with, with a concept here that we wanted to dive into. So the first question we want to ask is how have you heard God or how have you heard from God? So Erica, what you got? So usually when I know that it is God, uh, my heart races, I get a little nervous and my hands kind of shake. And this isn't specific things. So this is in the moment. Like when I feel God being like, you need to give that person a hug or you need to stop and give that person a ride. Or it's in that those specific moments where my heart starts to race and I'm sitting there going, is this you? Is this you? Is this you? And then I'm like, or oh, I'm going to have cardiac arrest. I don't know. So I kind of go a little, get a little nervous and shaky. But to be real, I... In almost all of the decisions that I've made in my life, I don't know if I've ever been 100% certain that this is exactly what God wants me to do. I just feel a nudge, and so I go in that direction. And then I see, is it or isn't it? Um, sometimes I've learned through those things. Sometimes they've been the best thing that that could have happened. But I don't know if I've ever quite been 100% certain. But in other times... Things when I've hear, heard him speak to me, I'm usually in a quiet space. I'm usually extremely emotional. Like I'm I'm crying out to him because of something happening in my life. And I just feel a whisper like a daughter, I got you. And usually it has to do with that. Um, or I just feel I do feel the presence. And sometimes it's just the lifting. Like I just feel lighter. And sometimes maybe that is just getting it out. But. In decisions, I've never felt 100% certain, but in my emotional state, I've definitely heard him and felt him whisper and just say things that I'm like, that's exactly what I needed to hear. I don't think I could have just said that to myself, if that makes sense. So do you find this is typically in a moment when you are seeking something specific or is it in a moment when you, you know, you just said like you basically get to a spot where you for lack of a better term, release, right? So mm-hmm. you're you're in a moment where you're just so, is it just overwhelmed and you finally just surrender to him and that's when you feel this, the, the presence of the Lord or is it? Yeah, I would say it is definitely having to do with surrender and it and to, and to it's not 
decisions. Mm -hmm. These aren't these instances. These are when I am feeling extremely emotional about something. I'm hurt by something. I'm struggling with something internally that is going on in my life um, with my thought space, those sorts of things. And I usually will go for a walk and I'm, I'm literally out loud lamenting to him that I don't like this or I don't feel good about this. And then I feel kind of almost like a wave of like just exhaling almost. And um, him kind of, yeah, whispering things in, the Holy Spirit definitely saying things that are the truth, whereas I think I got worked up maybe potentially in lies. But it's emotionally that I've definitely felt him mm -hmm. speak, not necessarily directionally, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's interesting. I, this is going to surprise everybody, I'm sure. But mine, my experiences with the Lord are always way more cerebral. So you're talking about more of an emotional mm -hmm. response. I very rarely have like a warm, tingly feeling where I just know what I'm supposed to do. I, my heart doesn't race. I don't get shaky. Often what happens for me is I'm reading scripture and I just get overwhelmed by something. Usually it's in my own life or, or something else. And so I, I just know what, uh, what I just read in scripture is affecting me mentally and that affects me emotionally and that affects the rest of my life. And I have a major change or something like that. Uh, often if I'm dealing with a, you know, a major decision, I go to scripture first and then I spend some time just talking to wise people in my life, people that I trust, people that I, I, you know, have, yeah, I just have an honest understanding that whatever they're saying is good and I can trust it and I can walk in it. And then when I kind of come to the place where I'm ready to make a decision, I just step. Do it. And I step out and I just trust that the Lord's going to take care of it. And I only take that step often when I feel like a tremendous amount of peace. And so it's not like a check mark or a checkpoint for me. It's this point in my life where I just look around and I just, God, I think this is you. I'm going to take a step. And I take the step and I'm overwhelmed with peace and I know I'm in the right spot at that point. If I ever take a step and I'm just completely unsettled with it, I usually start to question it a little bit and push back a little more on it. So so that's my experience of like hearing from God, but I've never had like an audible voice experience. And I don't think you have either. No. Right. So uh, this episode, we thought we'd do something a little interesting. You know, we've done a few fun episodes along the way. You know, our engineer jumped in a couple of weeks ago and did uh, the judges recap with us. But... Today, we're going to introduce everybody to our favorite lead pastor, because he's our lead pastor. <laughs> right? He's right here, so we kind of have to say that right. Mark Ballmer. <laughs> Just kidding. He's also probably my best friend besides my wife, so that's good. That's fun. So, Mark, uh, how have you heard from God? First of all, I'm your only lead pastor. We weren't going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's true. It's true. You know, over my short 31 years of life there's been you're such a 31 liar. years of life or or plus whatever <laughs> there's been a variety of times and for me um my mind is always active whether it's valuable or not it's active and it, i have to force myself to slow down um sometimes that's done through even if, if i'm reading scripture it's lord show me what I need to see. If it's in quietness, it's sort of, you know, tell me what I need to hear, you know, help me understand what I need to understand. But sometimes it has come at times that I haven't expected. I mean, I still remember being between my 
senior year of high school and freshman year of college, I had my plans laid out, and I, st- I still remember sitting in my garage, uh, ridiculously detailing my car. And in my mind, I heard, what are you doing? And I, it wasn't an audible voice, I don't think, but I remember answering out loud, I'm detailing my car. So here I am talking to myself in the garage. But it was in that moment where it's like the Spirit of God just said to me, what are you doing? What path are you on? And it was really, a, that was a change, a turning point in my life where right after that, my father told me about a scholarship that was available to go off to Trinity Western University. And my plans changed drastically. And it was just that, that what are you doing moment. Um, Throughout my life, it's been time, sometimes it's while reading scripture, sometimes it's just hearing somebody else say something that just mm. grips me so strong, it's like a slap to the face. Even yesterday, I just had a moment where I know the Spirit of God just spoke to me about the condition of my heart, and it was very, it was just sudden, and it was just this revelation about something was going on in my heart, and I had to just repent of that in that moment. Over the years, it's been neat following the Lord in marriage and the different things that that God has prompted both Charmaine and I about and prompted us separately, and yet yet it's the same prompting. I still remember flying back from Sarasota, Florida, where we had uh, gone to candidate for a youth pastor position there. From the moment we arrived there until we were— Leaving the leaving the airport on the plane, we were like, we didn't want to be there. And we were sure this wasn't right. It was almost funny to us. And we, we, we were so relieved to, fl- to, to just head down that runway and take flight and head home to California. We were happy about it. And at one point in that long conversation or that long flight, we, we got quiet. And that, that quietness broke as we were starting to descend to the, uh, the airport in San Francisco. And in that descent... Uh, my wife turned to me and said, we're supposed to go, aren't we? And I said, yes. Mm. And God had been working on both of our hearts at that same time. We had a similar experience just even getting ready to um, pursue adoption again. Uh, The Lord had been stirring in my heart, and at one point my wife said to me, I feel like somebody's missing in our home. And I said, I do too. And uh, that ultimately led to us adopting Peter and Akor. And we thought we were done then, but that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's really good. And I think, you know, I've been with you in a lot of moments in your life like that. And there are times where you seem to suggest that God is like screaming at you about something, right? And there's other times where it's just, you just know you're supposed to do something and you just kind of run with it. I've often wondered if God is louder with some people for a reason or quieter with other people for a reason. You know, I've got individuals in my life, you know, I think of my wife, for example, who has such a a wonderful relationship with the Lord, but she often looks at me and says, why are you asking those questions? Who cares? Right. And if you're mm-hmm. listening to the podcast, you've heard me, like I run down roads that people sometimes don't care about. And I, in my head, I, I like to just fix all the problems and come to that. And my wife will say something like, why are you asking all those questions? No one cares. I'm like, that's so nice. And then, <laughs> but, but the, the reality of her asking that question is there's a, and I'm not trying to suggest here that her faith is simple because it's very complex, but there's a simplicity to her faith that she just knows if the Lord said it, I'm going to trust it and I'm going to go with it. And so there's been a lot of moments in my life where 
she'll say something super simple and I just know it's the voice of the Lord and I just shut, shut up and move on. You know, they, I'm like, all right, fine, you win. So it's interesting that we're hearing the, you know, the Lord from different vantage points and stuff. Uh, Erica, wh- how do people in the Bible often hear God? Like, what are some of the things that you see them experiencing God with? Well, I know definitely it seems different Old Testament, New Testament. Um, Old Testament, he actually is is a little bit more present. It's through other things like a burning bush or um, uh, doing crazy miracles and things like that. But also visions and dreams. Um, lots of prophets that are speaking through what God wants them to say. And so, um, yeah, that's where I see it at least is, yeah, those visions. Um, not quite face to face, but like one person may be removed from that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think sometimes we read scripture and we, we kind of freak out, like, why don't I get that experience? You know, I've often wondered what I would have been like if I was alive at the time of Jesus, right? If I was hanging out with Jesus, would I be a complete follower like I am today? Or would I have been annoyed mm-hmm. with him? Would I have looked at him and been like, that can't be the Messiah. So I'm almost grateful that I live when I, I do, because I, it has allowed me to have a different faith than I would have had if I was, you know, walking with him. But I think some of the things that I would want to point out is whatever happens in the Bible is not normative. There, That's not to say that it'll never happen for you, but I think some folks read the Bible and they're like, well, that's never happened to me, so God must not be real. He, if you read the whole Bible all the way through, he deals with every single person differently in, in some way that is not normal for this person or that person. You know, David has a different experience with God than Moses does. And Moses has a way different experience than Peter does and so on and so forth. And so as you're running through the Bible, it, there's no one way that God speaks to his people. It, it's all over the place. And I think one of the things that I've always pointed out to especially young adults and college students is they read the Bible and they think, Why, my life looks nothing like this. But we have like 30 verses for a life that's 120 years long. So we're, we only learn about the mountain peak experience or this little thing. We don't know about the decades of following God and the moments that they just trusted him and walked with him, even though nobody else was doing what they wanted. You know, we don't have the Noah 500 years faith experience. All we hear about is build, a, build an ark at 500 years old. And so he starts to do it and the flood starts at 600. Yeah, it's almost like the highlight reel. It is the highlight reel. It's like the Instagram version. <laughs> But the problem is we live in a world of Instagram Mm -hmm. and everything else. And so everyone thinks that's what life really is. Mm -hmm. Whereas one of the things that I love the most, and Mark, I'd love your feedback on this, is the individuals who just love God faithfully for years and decades without ever having a moment where God says, do this, you know, but they're just faithfully following him no matter what. Yeah, I think so often we, we look for the dynamic and we're seeking Big things. I, having a, a father like I did, I've often looked at his ministry and the neat things that God led him to do and, and the results of that. And I've often thought, where where is mine, God? When, when do I get that? And I, I love what Pastor Cliff said when he was answering a, a questions about knowing the will of God. And, and he answered it very simply. He says, the will of God is not something out there way ahead of you. The will of God is today. What you do with God today, mm-hmm. are you faithful with what you're prompted to do? Are you faithful in how you live? Are you applying scripture today? And and that 
that's just sustaining. Uh, it's a sustaining truth. It's I don't have to go out and seek the dynamic. I've got to seek my God, and I've got to seek His Word, and and pray about what I'm doing. And you know, talking about you know the, these moments when God communicates with us, and, and even the question of is this just me or is it is it something of God? It, it goes back to can I support what I'm being told to do with Scripture, and and does it align with the truth that that we already know about Scripture? And boy, there's a lot of merit to faithfully loving our God daily and letting Him take the lead. And one of my my very simple prayers that I, every day is just, Lord, use me today, mm-hmm. however you desire, and help me to be faithful to what you prompt and ready uh, to respond to whatever you lead me to do. Yeah, and so back to that idea in Scripture, most people don't hear anything in the Bible. They don't hear from God. We have the very few moments where God does something like that. But that doesn't mean that God is less active in one moment or more active in another. He's the same God all the way through. The difference is he deals with certain people in a different way. You saw that in Judges, right? Some people are hearing from God. Some people aren't hearing from God. But they're both on the hook for the same thing. Are you going to follow me faithfully or are you going to do your own thing? And the beautiful thing about living when we do today, and I mean post-cross and post-resurrection of Jesus, is you and I actually have the Holy Spirit inside of us if we've put our faith in Christ. So the Holy Spirit indwelling us, you know, back to what you were saying, Eric, in the beginning, the visions, the the idea of dreaming dreams or the, the prophets, all of that is promised that when the Spirit comes, we're going to have access to him in a fresh, different way. Again, it doesn't mean that God's going to speak to me the same way he speaks to Mark or speaks to you. But at the same time, we have the Spirit inside of us. And so there are simple decisions in our life. You have a choice right ahead of you and you hear the whisper you're supposed to do this and not this. And when you choose to do this, what you're supposed to do, it goes well for you. When you choose not to do this, it goes terribly for you. But the beautiful thing is post-Jesus, we know who to put our hope in and our, our trust in. And we turn back and repent and go, God, I messed up. I'll, I'll you know, I'm, I'm walking with you again. Let's, let's get it right. So Mark briefly touched on this, but I think this is a common question that all of us go through. How do we know when it is actually of God and not just something that we've created ourselves? Yeah, even as I introduce that, I, I think we have to be careful. Uh, you know, we have intellects and, and we're creative and we're going, what what is driving this? I mean, I'll, I'll listen to some people who want to come in and they'll tell me, I had this dream. What does it mean? And well, I'm not a dream interpreter and... And it might admit you had too much Mexican food the day before. I don't know um, exactly what, what caused that. It was all these tiny sombreros dancing around. <laughs> A little what suggestion? It, what does what? it mean, Mark? Yeah, yeah, and that tingly feeling inside might be gas. But um, <laughs> I, I really go back to uh, what. how does it weigh up against Scripture? And would this align with the will of God? Or is this something that is a derivative of my own desires? I, I don't, I don't want to— eliminate our own desires so quickly because as God has taken and purified our hearts and our thinking, I think our desires become his. Uh, 
you know, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. That, that verse means more to me the longer I live because I think as the Lord purifies our hearts, our desires then become his. So I don't think we can just go, I desire this, therefore it's probably of me and not of the Spirit. I think that's where Scripture is so important. You go back and say, okay, first of all, is this a sin? If, mm-hmm. if I'm being prompted to do something that's clearly a sin, then obviously it's not of God. Uh, but going a little further and going, would this glorify him? And how would it glorify him? And is, this, is there some selfish motive in this, in, in this whole move for me? Or is it really to honor the Lord? Is it to serve? And, and, and then I think that gives you a much clearer runway to at least move forward with it, knowing it's not sinful and knowing that you're you're making a decision the best you can with the information that you have. I mean, some people, have, their their walk with, with Christ and hearing from God is 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 not real dramatic. It's I seem like the right thing to do, wait against Scripture, and I pray and ask God and, and I move forward with it. And he, I give him the right to stop it if it's not supposed to be. So... I think that key thing of just going, okay, what would Scripture say about this? Is this culturally driven? Is it biblically driven? And what part is my own, or, or what part are my own desires playing in on this? And are those desires the right ones? Yeah, going back to like talking about your desires, and I think just a good question to ask yourself too, to even see if your desires are maybe lining up, is just asking yourself like, why do I desire this? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. is this solely for me to gain something or, as you said, to actually glorify God? So just asking kind of the why do I actually desire this or want this? Seeking our motives. You yeah. know, sometimes we can have motives that look pure, but somewhere in there is, oh, people will admire me for this or or I'm going to get a lot of credit for this or whatever. And we've got to weed that out and, and try to find out what's pure and right and true in mm-hmm. that and then repent of those desires that are not, you know, of him that are, are selfish. The older I'm getting too, there's a simplicity. And you are. I'm not 31 anymore, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> there's a simplicity in doing things that maybe others would not seem as flashy, but you just know it's faithful, right? I, I think early on in ministry, there were moments where I, th- I would think to myself, man, if I do this, this I'm going to skyrocket. You know, this is a big deal. And I remember having these these ideas of what I thought ministry was going to be and, and what I wanted it to be. And the beautiful thing is now, the older I'm getting, the more I look at life and I just go, no, this will glorify him, which is what the psalmist is saying so often. Let my life be glorifying to you. And so, so often the, the question I ask is, is God going to get the glory here? And if he is, then it's probably worth doing. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. No matter what that is. And so I've talked to guys who are, you know, factory workers for 50 years who come to me and just go, I feel like maybe I've wasted my life. You know, you're, they see me on Sunday morning preaching a message and you're like, you're affecting so many people and I'm not. And I'm like, you're faithfully serving God by serving your family and going to work for 50 years and having a great attitude about it. Like that that doesn't mean that you're not glorifying God with this decision. So I think back to what we were saying, I think sometimes people build it up to be like this this fantastic, amazing thing that has to happen. When so often, if you're just listening to God, it might just be faithfully serve me. It might be decades. You might feel like you're stuck in a rut. But walk with me and I'll, I'll give you the desires of your heart, which is me. Uh, if you, you'll get more and more of me because you'll glorify me with your life. So your choices will glorify me. Your family will glorify me. Your, you know, your lifestyle, all the things that go along with it, even if it's not flashy, will still glorify me. 
Yeah, one of the one of our listeners had mentioned this, and I feel like this is very applicable too. If it's something you wouldn't normally do, it's probably of the spirit. And this is usually in those moment to moment things where you get this weird idea, and you're like, "Really? Is that really what I should be doing?" And then you go, oh, that must just be me. But when you really think about it, you're like, I would never just go give that person food. I would never think to just go give that person a ride or go up and hug that person or just go over to my neighbors and whatever it might be. So if you actually think about it and you're like, I wouldn't actually normally do that, then it's probably not you. Because usually those things are not selfishly driven and we usually only think of ourselves. One of the things we talk about a lot here is live in a life that bears fruit mm-hmm. and the fruit of the spirit is one of the ways that you live a life that bears fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And so often one of the things that I weigh here is when I think of doing something that I wouldn't normally do, I look really quickly at the fruit in my head and I go, Oh, this is a more patient version of me than, mm-hmm. than I want to be right now. So clearly I'm going to listen to that and I'm going to, I'm going to let the spirit grow that fruit in me, whatever that is. So, so totally along with what you're saying, if it's not something I would normally do, often it's the Lord telling me do this. But along with that, it, I also check it against scripture again, like we were talking about before. And if it's a, if it's a, if it's a part of the fruit of the spirit that's going to grow in me, if I do this thing, then yeah, go for it. Mm-hmm. Just the other day I was in Rockford. I had to do a, a funeral and then I made another stop and got some lunch and I just pulled out of the drive-thru and started to eat while I'm driving because that's the safe thing to do, you know. <laughs> and uh, I pulled up to the light, and there was a guy asking for money, a veteran. And and I had my hands full of food. My wallet was in my pocket. And I was like, I'm just not going to do this. And as I drove away, I was thinking about the fact that we've been preaching on generosity. I'm going, well, that's not very generous of me. And then I was getting on 20, and then— then I was determined that, you know, I need I need to give this guy money. So the the detour I had to take took so long, and I'm not a, <laughs> not a patient person. But I made this long detour, and then as I started to approach him, I reached in my wallet to pull off pull out the one dollar you give to people, and then I just felt like no, it's not one dollar. I was like, ah, oh, I should have just kept driving, you know. But it was just weird, and. And I don't say that for any accolades. It's, it's really just I'd rather err on the side of action than inaction mm-hmm. as long as I know it's not a sin. And I, did that make any eternal difference? I, I doubt it. But I think it made a difference in my own heart. It's no, just be obedient. Just just do it. What's the risk in stepping out and doing something that might be a blessing that God maybe could use in a little bit extra thing. I think he, the guy looked at me funny because he saw me drive by twice in, in 10 minutes, but because it took 10 minutes to make the, the little loop. <laughs> like if I was know. just obedient in the first place, yeah, when have I to do exactly, that extra 10 <laughs> Exactly. Wasted all the time and gas and cost me more money the second round. <laughs> Which is really funny because I was just in Rockford and maybe it was the same street. I don't know. But I had been like there was a man standing want asking for for money and i was stopped at a stoplight and i had the like do i do i not do i do i not and then somebody that um i had watched a video of recently had a tattoo that said action over intention and i was like 
Because I had the thought of like, well, I intended to, but that doesn't do much for you. So I like got the money out, but then cars were coming. I was like, he's going to get hit by a car if he has to come over here. So then we ended up we ended up going because the light was green, but I kept the money out because I was like, if I see somebody else, I'm going to be ready. And actually, same intersection, but going the opposite way, like coming back, there was another guy and we were able to to give the money then um, and just said like, God bless you. But yeah, that whole... I felt like I needed to, so I just need to do it. But I also feel like God often gives me like a second chance, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. There's been times where I see somebody walking and I feel the nudge to give them a ride and I don't. And then I see somebody walking again, maybe a couple days later. And then I'm like, all right, we're going to do it. Um, so that, I always find that really interesting, too, because it's that's not the it's been a few times now where I felt the nudge and I haven't done it. And I'm like, okay, God, next time I will do it. And then he does give me kind of another chance to actually do it. It's interesting. Yeah, it's one of my biggest pet peeves with God is getting the second chance or preaching a sermon that convicts me. Mm. You know, like later on in the week when we've just preached a message and I have an opportunity to do something and I totally blow it. And I'm like, dang it. I just preached about this. I'm such a hypocrite. I'm the worst. I'm the worst ever. I can't believe this. And then all of a sudden God gives you a second shot to, to get it right. And you get it right mm -hmm. that time. So that's good. Last summer... My son and I were up, up north riding motorcycles and doing off-road riding. And the place that we'd stopped to unload the bikes and get on was just a mosquito nightmare. And, I mean, they were just all over you. Couldn't get them off of you. And we're just trying to get our gear on and get on the bikes and go so we don't have to deal with the, mm -hmm. the mosquitoes. And this was kind of a little... Uh, area that had a bathroom and this van pulls in and somebody needed to use the bathroom and then two people get out of the van they walk over to us and they're jehovah's witnesses and they start talking to us and everything in me is you know wants to help them find truth and stuff like that but the mosquitoes were so bad and and i just i was i was just not that patient with them and i was kind of just trying to get it over with and you know that bothered me so long after that that I actually wrote a letter, a to whom it may concern letter, seeking these two individuals, and I wrote it to every, uh, I wrote copies to every Jehovah Witness church in that region. W will it do any good or not? No, you know, probably not. But it was that thing of just it. It ate at me that long, and that much that. I had to I had to do something to make mm -hmm. it right, because talk about choosing my own comfort over an opportunity to maybe bring someone out of darkness. Yeah, that's good. There's a whole bunch of scriptures that talk about this, and I'm sure each of us have our our verse or two. But I would love to just share some of those because maybe this will help. You know, maybe someone will hear this and go, "Man, I'm going to go find that scripture. I'm going to memorize it. I'm going to stick it in my brain." As well, because we've all already quoted scripture today, just as we walk through this and think it through. So, yeah, what are some of the scriptures that you think of when you think of, you know, knowing the will of God and, and being able to do it? So the first one uh, that I thought of was John ten twenty seven. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. So the fact that if you say that you are a follower of of Christ then you are technically a sheep, which means you need to know what your shepherd is doing. But I just like that. Yeah, they hear. I know them like I like that. That is very personal. But and then they follow me. So it's 
not anything crazy. It's not any 10 step process, um, but it's personal mm-hmm. and yeah, straightforward. That's a big one for me dealing with the end times. Cause I've had people say, how do we know that Jesus hasn't returned yet? Like, well, I know Jesus and I haven't heard his voice yet. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm I will cool. know, I will know the time when he mm-hmm. returns. Cause I'm waiting for him. When he does, I'm not going to be confused and be like, oh, that's the guy, you know. Is uh, it? I don't know. <laughs> we just finished watching the the Waco uh, documentary on on Netflix. And mm-hmm. I'm sitting here thinking, I, would, I, I wouldn't I would be duped by an individual like that because I, I, I'm just going to know his voice when he speaks and I'm mm-hmm. able to do that. A couple of big ones for me, uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2. I spent six mm-hmm. months teaching our youth group in Milwaukee uh, this. And, and I'm going to deal with just verse 2, but I, I memorized both of these in various translations now, because it's such a good verse. But verse two just says, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. But then it describes what transforming looks like. And it says that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And so what I spent a lot of time teaching our students was the, the idea of following the Lord is surrendering to him completely and not doing things the way the world does it. And as you do that, your mind begins to be transformed so that you actually know what the will of God is. And you also know how to test it correctly. Mm-hmm. You you just sense like, this is not right. I shouldn't be doing this. And then as you start to learn to follow that will and do what's, what's right, you'll find it to be good and acceptable and perfect. Uh, two of the big ones for me really quick is um, I have my kids memorize Psalm 1 right now. That one is huge. And part of it is, you know, the you meditate on the, the word day and night, this idea that the law is in our heart and we just know what God wants us to do. And then I, I also have a bunch of verses memorized from Psalm 119. And both of those are basically saying the same thing, but in just different ways. Whereas Psalm 1 is more of like a thought project of what does it look like to walk with God? Psalm 119 is like a dialogue with God. This is what your law does in my heart and changes me. So I have a bunch of passages there memorized, and there are moments where I'm walking down the street, I'm thinking about doing something, or I'm driving home, and I want to say or do something, and, and those passages are running over my brain, giving me a chance just to go, oh, man, yeah, you're right. God, that's not of you. That's me. I'm wanting to do my thing there as opposed to yours. And his law just changes me from the inside out. So you got a couple, Mark? I would have said Romans 12, 1 and 2 as well, but also Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust mm-hmm. in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. I think the key thing in there is is do not lean on your own understanding. And that's where we've got to go back and understand our Lord's ways are higher than ours. It does not have to make sense to us to be great a great thing to do because— to assume that it, it should would be to try to put yourself on the level of God. When our understanding seems to change day to day too. So like today it would be this, but tomorrow it might be this. And who wants to be standing on that understanding when it's so right. wishy-washy? So we did throw something out onto social media, just asking for some input from other people, like how they have heard from God. And so we got a couple of people that had responded. And so from Cambria Elizabeth, she had said that he speaks to her very clearly through scripture and through other people, which I think is huge. We talked a little bit about other people, but it is very true. And she is like 100% sure 
every time that it is him that is directing where she wants to go. She had sent me this very long story about um, her life and how she was right after college or right after high school was very certain of where she wanted to go for your college, you know, like mm-hmm. the American dream, quote unquote. And she had taken some time up in the Redwood Forest. Um, we don't all have the chance to go there, but yeah, she lives in California. Terrible. <laughs> but she was in complete solitude, which I think also helps when you're by yourself and you have that silence and just meditating on the Bible. And she was certain that she was going to be taking a year off and she was going to be doing some other things and very certain that God was putting her in a different path. And now she's very certain of, of missions being in there, um, working with Central or South America and interior design. Um, so it's just really cool to hear. She's always 100% certain that this is where she needs to be. And she gets that usually through meditating on scripture or from other people that have spoken into her life, which is cool. Yeah. And our, one of our other listeners, uh, whose name, when I first met him, his name is Christian. When I first met him, I thought this guy does not know what it looks like to follow Jesus, (laughs) but it's actually one of my favorite stories of watching someone learn how to follow Jesus and the name starting to match who he actually is. But he, he wants me to tell a story, uh, that confirms a lot of things for me in God's voice. And so I wanted to share this really quickly. We were in Guatemala this last summer and uh, we were having some great conversations and teenage boys have stupidity moments, right? And one of those things was they all decided to just pile on a bed and these beds were not super fancy. Not made for six people? Well, it didn't even take six. The first <laughs> the first time it broke was considerably less than six people. And it basically snapped in half and, and was touching – the middle of the bed was touching the floor, just to give you an idea. It was a bunk bed, so it was – the whole thing was just kind of caving in. But I fixed it, and I thought, this is great. And then they all piled on it again, and it broke even worse this time, like all the way to the floor and like was mm. snapping. So then I ran out in the middle of the night and found a cinder block, you know, in the Which construction. Which is a very common thing yeah, to find in Guatemala yeah, right in the outside your hotel room. Site, and I, I rebuilt the bed and, and made it work. And then we got in trouble with the people and we had to pay for the bed and it was way more than it should have been. But he, I don't know why he wanted me to tell that story with this particular thing, but I'll, I'll say what it did for me. You know, part of my summer this last summer was God confirming to me that I was, I was done with student ministry. Like I had, it was time for me to move on. <laughs> so this solidified that for you? And, uh. This whole experience that week between our youth pastor, Alex, being awesome and doing great with the students and connecting with them confirmed it was okay for me to let go of student ministry and feel like it was in good hands. But second of all, it confirmed for me that I was done. <laughs> I don't, I don't need, want to deal with broken yeah, I don't beds. need a bunch of teenage boys climbing in my bed trying to like be funny and then breaking it on me and then me paying hundreds of dollars to fix the stupid thing. Mm-hmm. And now that I've moved into a different role, uh, money in the church mean a little more than it did when I was a youth <laughs> pastor. So I'm a little more careful because I, I now oversee people's salaries and stuff like that. And I don't, you know, I watch this money float away from a bed and I'm like, that could have been spent elsewhere doing the Lord's will. Mm-hmm. So it was confirming. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Right. And then um, another listener had commented that, and we've talked about both of these things previously, and I actually, I think, already mentioned her, but she said that she's pretty certain when her heart races or when she yeah, realizes that it's something she wouldn't normally do, that she realizes that that's God speaking speaking to her. So we love to hear from you guys. So when we throw those things out, yeah, let us let us know what you think and what your thoughts are so that we can shout you out and um, 
get more perspectives on on our podcast in different ways. So we also are going to be putting in a list of resources, different books that people have either recommended or that um, Chris or even Mark have have said are really good resources for kind of figuring out God's will for your life and understanding what he's asking of us. So we'll put those in the show notes if you would like to to check those out. So peace. That's it. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Yamcast. You can check us out at yamcast.podbean.com or on any other podcasting apps like iTunes. We would love it if you'd leave us a review that is any number between four and a half and five stars. If you have any questions that you'd like us to answer here on the podcast, you can email us at yamcastpod at gmail.com. That is yamcastpod at gmail.com. If you'd like more information about us, you can check us out at parkhillschurch.com or on the App Store with the Park Hills Church app. We are also on Instagram, so give us a follow at The Yamcast. Yeah, sometimes. Scoot forward a little bit so that you're a little bit closer up on it. Should, it should almost feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Oh, it's it's got that going. <laughs> you can that, also. That was still coming it. through, though, right? That was still coming through. I can't <clears> talk <throat> about the post. You can push the mic up a little bit. So Am I allowed to breathe? <laughs> <laughs> I a lot of times breathe away from it because I'm a heavy breather sometimes. <laughs> This might be our outro. That's our outro right there. (laughs) Heavy breathing. Uh, Cool.